I didn't know where I was going next. I, in that seven year journey, the last two years, I gave up everything to write this book. Failing. 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 I know. When we talk about failure. Some battles you feel like you lost. And survival. Some battles you feel like you win. It's tough. I had to make some tough decisions. We've all faced failure, but what steps do we take to launch ourselves into success? I'm Sarah Brown. There is life. A blessing. Achieve your dream. And then what we do with it. And this is Failing Forward. So welcome everybody. I have Deborah Burns. Remember, we are going global on the show. Uh, Deborah is a former media chief innovation officer, turned author, founder, and workshop leader. She also has a new book coming out called called Authorize It: Think Like a Writer to Win at Work and Life. Welcome, Deborah. I am so happy to be here with you, Sarah. And what I'm it, so glad you're here. Well, the name of your podcast just attracted me, and maybe, maybe I'll tell you why. But, <laughs> but all right, uh, well, we're gonna start. To be- I'm so happy that we're gonna start off. Our listeners always love. Tell us about where you grew up. What your childhood was like. Well, <laughs> uh, I grew up in Jackson Heights, Queens. Uh, in New York, for those global listeners, uh, a, a borough of New York. And actually, I wrote about my childhood with my very unconventional, larger than life, otherworldly beautiful mother. Mm-hmm. I was an only yeah. child and danced around the pedestal of a goddess my whole life. She had quite a few secrets, and I idolized uh, her. And the book, Saturday's Child, came out 25 years after her death and really was a response to a void or the loss of her that I hadn't been able to fill. Because because she was larger than life, Deborah, was it hard to be, were you like in her shadow or no, part of her light? I was, I I saw her mostly on Saturdays. And when you have a mother like that, uh, to use your words, I, I was in her shadow and I did have to emerge from that. When you're a child, it's normal for you I had right you didn't know anything (laughs) there was no other way to be and I held certain beliefs my whole life and it was the process of writing this book yes that revealed truth to me that I wouldn't have known otherwise and so to say the book was transformative is an understatement it started as a love letter to her but really was about me yeah and my perception of our relationship and that shift kind of changed everything and changed the book and took me new places yeah so number one why only on saturdays did she work she had a big life um, and 
she was not domestic in an age of June Cleaver for those of younger listeners perfect housewife image uh I was born in another era my mother was anything but June Cleaver and hated uh, anything to do with domesticity and having a baby and the day-to-day responsibility of that uh, she was responsible for me but she did not want to get her get her hands dirty so and who took care of you she came up with a solution very clever this mother my father had two older unmarried italian sisters oh my and when something that was in my family had been sold and the two of them had nowhere to go she basically said i've got an answer to your problem and she moved both sisters into our tiny jackson heights apartment with one bathroom and a half a room for my bedroom and these two like plump fairy godmothers took care of every single detail they they split tasks and they took care of every single detail of my life and my mother was the director of uh of everything and came and went like a vip guest with me trailing her with every entrance and you know sending her off uh as she swept out again and longing for her Mm -hmm. Uh, she was the elusive one for me and because she was so extraordinary in many ways um, I I felt that maybe some of her emotional distance was not about her it was it About was you. me that if only mm-hmm. I I looked more like her then you know she would be here or she would love me more um, those are the the secrets that I could never express the 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 deep darkness uh, parts that that get tamped down um, and so it's funny that that's your first question for me because my god i've got a 287 page answer to that (laughs) on amazon right now i I know and um listeners you need to get the book i have the book open get that book and 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 crack it can i ask one more question about that so did you ever feel like you got to know her and had um a connection or intimacy with her she was an emotionally reserved person. Uh, she was a wasp. Um, again, for those listeners that may not be part of the vernacular, uh, Anglo-Saxon, English descent. And my father was Italian. My maiden name was Canzanari. So right off the bat, I've got a lot of layers <laughs> going on. <laughs> And I have a lot of her and I have a lot of him. And my aunts, of course, being his sisters, were Italian. So huge influence. Um, and that's how I see myself and, and what I consider myself to be. Um, so I would not say that we had an intimacy in the 
huggy, mm-hmm. kind of slobbering, uh, overly affectionate. We didn't mess hair and do all of that. She would not have put on these headphones. Um, <laughs> and so, so no, not from that sense, but we were extraordinarily intertwined and as an only mm-hmm, mm-hmm. she was the center of my universe. universe and i grew up being super proud i mean every friend of mine thought i had the coolest mother, mother. because she was unlike she had time when we would go out on the weekend she would take us somewhere she always wanted to go on an adventure and the other mothers are cooking and and washing uh things that she never did yeah um, and so she was beautiful and cool and edgy uh, and, as I said at the beginning, a little mysterious. And everybody wants a piece of that. Right. And so I was very proud of her. And I never really thought when I was younger that my feelings might have been as complicated as mm-hmm. they actually turned out to be. Um later on can't do too many too many spoilers right 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 right, right. but yeah. the you know what i was going to say about the book and uh maybe tied to some of the themes of your of your podcast because failing and there have been many trips along the way um but i as optimistic a person i've been mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. My mother may have been, I, I joke and say, a tad narcissistic. And I believe it gave me strengths that helped yeah. me in my career, made me more intuitive, more responsive. I'm a, I'm a great team player because I love making someone else shine. It's how I'm wired. Yeah. You know, I love being second. Um, so she gave me a, a lot of strengths, but at the same time with that optimism and hope that I have, I'm very much a realist and often a skeptic like I, I i have both sides and when the book published which was one of the most terrifying oh, terrifying yeah. things that i've ever done in my life because the sicilian side i don't tell anybody anything that i don't want to tell <laughs> and now i'm totally exposed i mean if you ever want to know anything about right. me read this book okay i got wait i gotta ask a question did your parents stay married? They did, but I it was complicated. <laughs> it was very complicated, okay. Uh, okay. but they did. And did you, in your choice of a partner, Yes. how did that impact your marriage? Or I don't know if you've been married more than once. How did that impact? One marriage, still yeah. married, Yeah. met in college, um, and uh, I, I can I can only attribute it to very good instincts and that intuitiveness. He's mm-hmm. a wonderful man. We have three children. Yeah. Um, and one little granddaughter. Oh, and I, I became the mother that I needed, wanted. as we do. This is yeah. what happens one generation to the next. Yeah. Um, and my little two-year-old granddaughter was here today and there were all kinds of slobbers and, and kisses and hugs and all of that stuff. Um, I love that quote that you just said. Uh, it was, um, 
gosh, we you're become, have to repeat it. Uh-huh. What is become, that? Say that again. I think I said we become I became the mother I needed. Yeah. Since that touches you, let me just one little sidebar. I had the opportunity to meet Oprah through wow. through a um a journey let's just say it was a brief meeting you know we're not friends so it's not it but I I met her and she ended a talk um telling the story of her own mother it was a horrific story mother didn't want her abandoned she's the product of a rape I'm I'm saying things that are out there yeah right sure 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 totally out there yeah yeah um and she said at the end of this teary um, story that for her whole life, she basically wanted a different mother. But she realized at the end, I may get teary, but she realized at the end that she was the mother she needed to be me. That's basically, I'm, I'm quoting her. Gotcha. She was the mother I needed to, to be, be who I am. Mm. And that is so similar to a part of the book. And that's how we, after this talk, there was, I, I'm sure you've gone to these big, you know, corporate things. There was a, a photo op. Yes. And I said, those are, those are my words. And that, and I've always looked at the situation from that positive place there's no lamenting in Saturday's Child and so do you think though did you lament at all did you grieve and get to that point or do you think you just you just had the grace that that's you just accepted it um well I don't want to say uh that I had the grace to accept it. Very nice way of putting it, but it feels too big to mm-hmm. say that. Mm-hmm. I'm certain that you know this is a lifetime of growth. Yes, she's been gone now uh, 28 years. Yes, um, and a lot of the growth started when we were not in the story together mm. anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I could never have written this book if she were alive. That's a question a lot of people ask me. Um, I might have written a book, but it would have been a different book. It wouldn't have been this one. Um, I do think she would be proud of it. I, I was very careful when I wrote it. There is no, as I said, no lamenting. There's no judgment in the Mm -hmm, book. mm -hmm. I worship this woman. You know, she crafted a life for herself that women today would applaud, that many women have. Yeah. I've written an article, an essay, because when you write a book, it's never over. You Now you have to write essays around the book and content and, you know, push it out there. And there's a, a book influencer, Zibby Owens. I don't know if you've heard of her podcast, Mom Don't Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. It's no. become a book world. It's it's specifically okay. for the book world, and it's become a sensation. Okay. And she just, from all the authors that she interviews, she just created a quarantine anthology where all the proceeds are going to COVID research. 
and it just came out and 50 authors each wrote an essay about one of the pillars of her brand and I wrote about um, kind of an unrequited love or at least that was the the Mm -hmm. feeling and that I vowed to be a different parent Mm -hmm. and I, I I started that way but with careers that people women are are leading today uh success brought time away more than i ever intended sure there was a period of time where i was on several planes every month yeah and i began to realize i'm absent almost as much as she was and I didn't it just kind of happened and you know the the at the end of this essay which really is like a little short story of its own uh the difference is back to your intimacy the difference is emotional connection that it can be done yes Um, as long as my goal was always to say you're number one you're my priority I love you. And when you do that and build your relationship around that, it changes. It does it change changes. everything. Yeah. I feel like that's such a gift. I, yeah. I think that's incredible. So let's talk a little bit about um, Authorize It. Think like a writer to win and work in life. Well, you know, they're so articulate too. Like, I love listening to all your phrases. I'm like, oh, why couldn't I think of that word? <laughs> borrow, borrow brilliance. <laughs> it's, it's yours. You know, in a way, the way the podcast is, is going, um, they are so intertwined because if you had asked me a year ago, what are you doing next? Yes. I would have said, gee, Sarah, I'm not sure. You know, I at the at the end of the seven year creative journey that produced Saturday's Child seems shorter seven, than that. Seven, seven years. Seven years. If anybody you know knew, what? and I think that gives that gives good inspiration for people everybody out there who's thinking about writing a book. Oh my god. It takes good time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it it takes so much time. And there were so many twists and turns. It didn't start out as memoir. It was something else entirely. Um, but um, I, when I finished and the book published, and I was that terrified person I mentioned earlier, um, it started winning awards. That's what I was going to say when, you know, we ha- we're having such a good conversation. We're, we're having yeah, a lot of sidebars. Yeah. When I said I was a realist and a skeptic before, you asked yeah. a follow-up question. But what I was leading to was that I kept my expectations about this book really reasonable. Okay. Like. Why? Why? Because it was a debut. Um, because writers are a very sensitive, scared, and they question themselves, second guess themselves at every moment, because most of the time when you're writing a book, you say, no one is ever going to read this. Why would someone read this? And then, you know, sometimes you have these moments where you read a passage that you've edited a hundred times and you say, wow. I like that. 
did I really write that? So it's it's like this complicated dialogue with yourself. Sure. That's not ha- it's not a it's not a happy place. Um, but so again, having so much business experience, understanding words and 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 responsiveness and all kinds of things like i kept it reasonable but the book has won awards the hollywood reporter recommended that it be a series um and read i hear from readers every day that somehow through my story um which is a little more eccentric than most yes but in the way the relationship is described um, in a in a non-judgmental way, I don't tell the reader how to think about my mother. In fact, I want them to love her yeah. as I did. Um, that they're able to insert themselves into the story, and it has real meaning to them. And uh, that was the greatest part of writing that book, but immersing myself into the world of storytelling in that way taught me things about life that I never realized. And in doing a lot of the essays around the book, I did one for Thrive Global where I had to give leadership lessons. Yeah, Um, yeah. And it's like, uh, and I'm thinking to myself, Sarah, it's like, oh, if you Google leadership lessons you get two million results like what can I possibly say right that's going to add value here and I slept on it and woke up thinking I think I'm gonna tie it to the book world and it started off where it was despite having been a chief innovation officer and working with brands and consulting with different companies here are five things I never knew until I wrote a book and I gave them all names and it, it just tapped this um, literary world wisdom that's there that I had to steep myself in. But 98% of the people who are never going to write a book yeah. don't know it. So what you said earlier about like, you know, it took a book, writing a book to help you learn these lessons. Yes. So I can remember when um, my, I had closed my business and, you know, it was like I told you on the phone a couple of weeks ago, it's like my renaissance year. Mm-hmm. And my coach had said to me, why don't you write a book? And I thought, no, I don't want to write a book but I want to do a podcast and the podcast does the same thing for me Mm -hmm. that the book did for you. Mm -hmm. And that that. is such a great gift. Mm -hmm. So Deborah, you mentioned how the story helped you learn something Mm -hmm. about yourself. And you know, when I was going through my Renaissance year that I talk about that prompted this podcast, you know, my coach was like, well, why don't you write a book? And I thought, I don't want to, but I want to do a podcast. And the podcast has helped me with that. So, um, so I think there's, there are so many wonderful, wonderful similarities. Well, there are, and you know, part of it is questioning, which is something within authorize it. Um, and just to end that note, uh, because I think it's so helpful for listeners. Um, I didn't know where I was going next. 
I in that seven year journey, yes. the last two years, I gave up everything to write this book. I gave up like my what? client, like, like, like income, like revenue, because the moment was now. And for all those years, it had been in and out of a draw. And I'm up at 5am in the morning and writing the book for five years and going in all these different directions and then working and, and, and the household and the kids and the whole thing. And I said, I need a year. I just, I have to finish this book. This is it. Yeah. And um, when I when it was out and published and marketed, I had to go back now and do uh, what I Your did day before. Job. Like, yeah. the, but what happened was I didn't want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. After living life as a creative, I couldn't go back to one of those companies and embed myself into their business. It's almost like. I didn't care about that anymore. Mm -hmm. So I had to find something else and I was not sure what it was going to be. How did you figure that out? Well, by staying at it every day, I'm a hard worker, whether it's because I had to prove something to my mother or not. I look at it as like a positive. I'm at it every day. I get up every morning and I am doing something to move forward fail forward and move forward. That's, that's what I do every day. Yeah. And so uh, as serendipity would have it, a uh, CEO of a company who I had worked with before and who I would have liked, it was, it's a female led and uh, basically female audience uh, company. And I thought, well, maybe I can do a project there. That feels mm -hmm. like more my space. But um, I knew that was a long way off, but she read Saturday's Child and she sent me an email and she said, you basically, I'm fascinated. Like you blew me away. I had no idea. And she had created a lecture series for employees yes. for their personal professional development and she said come in I'll, I'll hook you up with the producers come in and I'll interview you and it turned out to be a bigger thing than I had imagined again keeping my expectations in check and uh, I sent this Thrive Global article to the team saying yeah. you know I just did this at, because now it wasn't about talking about my mother. Yes, I wrote a book, but now I had to put my chief innovation officer hat back on. What does this audience need to hear? It's not about my mother. It's about creative, the creative journey and business strategy and, and crafting uh, a career and, and life. So I sent them the Thrive Global article with these five lessons. Embrace the narrative arc is the first one. Like work is nothing more than people on a collective quest. And, and mm. they, they said, wow, you know, we love this. So fresh, you know, it's original. <laughs> so I said, okay, you know, we can do the, the 10 questions around it. Let's give it a name. I love to name things. Yes. So I called it, um, it evolved. It started off a little differently, but it evolved into authorize it, think like a writer to win at work. 
great. And so off we go and we're doing it and it's getting streamed to employees around the world. And I'm sitting there and I said, oh my goodness, I can keep doing this. Yes. There must be 10,000 companies in New York. Yes. And I, I went home at it the, you know, the next morning and I did the one sheet and I started reaching out to companies and that has turned into a virtual workshop business, which the pandemic for all its downside right. lifted was that. the silver lining because everybody needs to inspire their remote teams. Every business is changing. Every conversation's changing. How do you tell a business story better? So t let's let's do the last couple minutes of you Is sharing. it almost over already? Yes. What? I just looked at my clock and I was like, oh my God. So why don't you share the last couple minutes with maybe a couple of the tips that you think would be really helpful for listeners? So Sarah, you said that we only had a few minutes left. So going through all five of the lessons is going to yes. be a lot. Um, yeah. So I'm going to intuitively yeah. pick yeah. the one okay. I think you're going to be most responsive to. And that right. is lesson number two, understand your characters. Ooh, I think so, I'm going to love this one. Yeah. When you're at work, the other people in your story have tremendous impact right. on outcomes. And you need to understand, you need to get inside their heads. And there are ways yes. to do that. One of them is to think like a writer and be a non-judgmental observer. Yes. Uh, because we all know the truth is somewhere in the middle and the whole story is never told. So yeah. you have to, just like when you read a book, yeah. you have perceptions, misperceptions, Yes. Uh, and you need to be aware of, okay. of both. Um, and you're surrounded by characters who play roles for you in right. your story. So you and I will say that, like, I do think I might have a character at work who plays one role to me and a different role to somebody else. And by the way, I do that, too. And I understand that definitely happen because a lot of that has to do with chemistry and a lot of other yeah. things that, that go on or, uh, or expectations that they might perceive that I have or that another person has sure. on what. Yeah. Okay. So a pe many people are fortunate to have mentors. Yes. And everyone always has an antagonist. Yeah. Everyone hates the antagonists in their work stories or in their lives, but if you can look at the antagonist as the person who is in your story to teach you something about yourself you wouldn't know otherwise, and that antagonist is in your story to help you grow, my gosh, you shift perspective. So I was hoping you were going to say that. Uh, I firmly believe that if I get triggered by someone, that trigger is not about them. It's about something that's getting triggered inside me. Mm -hmm. And so my antagonist, you're right, is, is teaching me something about me. 
For sure. And helping you to grow. There's something that has nothing to do with this book, but it's called Imago Theory. And I can't remember the authors. Sorry about that. Um, But uh, basically, the, the concept is that your soulmate... Yes. Is not the person that you're madly in love with. Your soulmate is the person who is your challenger, or in story terms, your antagonist, because that person is there to heal what needs to be healed in you. It's fascinating, really. It's worth exploring. The next time you have like a, a, a time, which I know no one has, but the next time you do. So uh, what can we give, give us, and it'll be in the book too, but maybe give us, how do you understand, how do you, how do you determine what that learning lesson is, what that growth area is with that? Well, uh, it, it, um, in the lesson of understand your characters, it's twofold. You need to understand them, but there's a whole character arc. There's a whole inner journey that you're on and everybody else in the story is on as well. Mm -hmm. And that inner journey requires work so that you can perceive the lessons that you're being taught. When we go outside and we see our shadow on the sidewalk, Mm -hmm. it is caused by the obstacle that is us. Mm. And at work, we are so often in our own way. Way. And there is... And it's not just at work, Deborah, right? I mean, it's oh, not no, just at work. Oh, no, that's why the book is right? at work and life. Life, yeah. <laughs> For sure. I mean, it's, it, it is, yes, yes, and yes. Yes. So big topics, little nutshells here. Uh, but hopefully a couple of cool takeaways for your... You know what I wanted to tell you is that um, I like that the, you chose the word antagonist because there's, um, for me at least, um, what's the right word? I have no emotion as- associated with that word. Like there's no negative connotation to that word. It's a very benign word for mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is good because if, if we, if you use the word, you know, enemy or foe, mm-hmm. enemy, not foe, enemy, then y- you'd have that negative connotation. Right. But this, the antagonist, it's, um, it's, it's a job. easier to, it's right. easier to look at. And, and right, right. Own. And they're there to do something for you. Yeah. They're going to make you better. They're going to evolve you on that character arc that you're on um and you know what my friend that's what failing forward's really all about i have a failing forward story for you tell me it tell me it so i'm pretty graceful yeah i have taken five four or five doozy flops in my life i mean fell up the stairs in my own house and broke my nose on the kitchen floor landing. Stop it. I uh, slipped on ice while I was seven months pregnant, split my lip open (gasps) because I, I put my hands down to protect my stomach. Um, 
I slipped on black ice in my own driveway after landing from a torturous business trip in Las Vegas, stepped out of the car and slipped on black ice and hit the driveway. And like, I have 20 stitches like up here. And that, so, where she's saying up there, it's above her eye. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm seeing myself <laughs> on Zoom. Yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, and in the subway in Times Square, oh, I tripped over someone's roller bag because they were going on the diagonal, broke my knee. In all of these, I realized there was an analogy because I was thinking like a writer, trying yes. to make sense of <laughs> this incredible clumsiness. And I realized that in all of them, I fall forward. I Aww. never go sideways. I never go backwards. Oh, I I'm always doing something wrong, but it makes me fall forward. <laughs> Yeah. And it equates to uh, how I've always been at work because I take chances mm -hmm. and I have failed many. I can't even count the times I've failed. But I, and I, I attribute it because I love to give my, my mother props. I attribute it to some complex thing from my childhood but i'm i'm trying to figure something out i'm in tune and i realize when it's not going to work i learn from it and then i i move and pivot and and it comes back around in a in a better place and i have always failed forward and that line when you also get authorized it you're going to see in the book so what would you do if you were me? I see your podcast and I said, this is a woman I think I need to talk to because that line is in my book. And I, I was so happy when you did. And you know, um, the whole time that we've been thinking, I've been thinking about the power of words mm -hmm. and you have the gift of, of words, you. you know, and Words can be so inspirational and they can also break us down, mm -hmm. right? And I was recently listening to one of Oprah's Super Soul Sundays and she used to have a sign that said, be responsible for the energy you bring. Mm. And it's those simple words that create shifts. And that's what your books do too. That's what you do. And so I want to say thank you oh, for being Sarah, on the podcast so today. I really appreciate that. It's I admire been such what a you gift. do and uh, you do it so well. This has been a great conversation. I feel like I could talk to you for two more hours <laughs> and not run out of things, no air, uh, not run out of things <laughs> to say. So you do your job beautifully. Thank you, thank you so you. much for having me as a guest. And uh, maybe our paths will cross again. I, I hope they do. All right, take care. You too. I want to thank everyone behind the scenes, especially Adrian Donica and the team at Gwyn Sound. Also, please find us on social media outlets at Fail Forward Pod. <laughs>